0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: It is a quiet Saturday to get us started in December. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's go outdoors. Steve Carney joins us. Steve Carney, outdoors.com. Steve O, how you been?
2: Fabulous, Steve. How are you doing? It's uh, really kind of weird weather we're having. It's um, awfully warm, awfully balmy. It's uh, just starting to get the ice going finally. We got about, I don't know, three, four inches of ice going right now. And um, a lot of my cronies got out yesterday for the first time. So it's definitely starting.
1: Yeah. And uh, we all know uh, the early bites, usually the best bite. And that uh, can put people in peril. You, you, you want to make sure that uh, you, you know what you're doing out there.
2: Yeah, right now it's kind of a walking affair, Steve. You know, we don't have any snow, and all the lakes now have just this glare ice on the top, and you really better have ice cleats on right now because um, it's pretty dangerous, you know, walking out there. You have to kind of do the shuffle to get out there. But um, I'm going to be out tomorrow for the first time and definitely going to walk out. Um, very light equipment, you know, definitely wear a life jacket, but the cleats are going to be a really big thing. And a lot of people call me and they go, what do you recommend? And, you know, these ice cleats, uh, they really vary. They're, the cheapies, the little $20 ones, you just don't want those. You want to spend about $80 to $100 and get a really good commercial, you know, set that have stainless steel teeth and uh, they bolt on really well to your boots. And, very important because it's so easy to fall on this glare ice right now and it doesn't look like there's going to be any snow anytime soon so I think it's going to be that way for probably a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah and uh, it it looks like we've got more mild weather particularly here in the cities we could see 40s later in the week. Now the good news for ice at least we're getting overnight lows down in the 20s we're not we're not seeing overnight lows above freezing but nevertheless still a challenge to get really good ice.
2: Yeah, you know, right now, most of the, uh, um, everybody's heading to Red Lake. I mean, that's what's happening right now. And there's thousands of people out there right now. And it's really the only lake that has really good ice. There's a good six to eight inches up there. And people are walking. And, you know, if you don't mind the crowds, the fishing is great. But there's so many people up there. Everybody's up there because it's really the only place going right now. But, I'd say give it about a week, 10 days. I think things will improve. It's just, you know, you see these 40s, you know, middle 40s. That's not making ice. You know, you might get a little bit of ice at night, you know, when it's below freezing. But these 40s during the day, just you got to be patient and not push it. But it'll happen. And, you know, we'll have a good couple of weeks coming up here. But I'm just telling people, just hang on, hang on. You know how uh, rabid ice fishermen, you know, ice fisher people are you know, dying to get out because the bite is always so good early. But just be patient and be smart.
1: Steve Carney joining us, com. Steve, the the strategy when you get out on the ice, where are the fish?
2: Well, I'm staying close to shore, Steve, mainly because the ice is still kind of suspect. And I'm going to be out probably on the shoreline, working shoreline areas, kind of areas that you'd work in the spring, and these walleyes will be up shallow and 12 to 15 feet working shoreline breaks, and you really don't have to go out real far, uh, because usually they're shoreline related here for the first two or three weeks, so it's not rocket science. You just got to be able to get out safely, and you know, stay close to shore, work those shoreline breaks, and you'll be fine, and um, I think that's going to be good for probably a couple of weeks, and they'll eventually migrate out to the deeper water, but Right now, it's basically shoreline stuff, you know, within maybe two, 300 yards from shore. So, you can be safe and still catch fish at this time of the year.
1: And there is still plenty of time in the pheasant season in all accounts. It's been good. We've talked about that, but still plenty of time. And that, this is really a great time to pheasant hunt.
2: You know, it really is, and it's amazing how people, you know, will fish or, uh, you know, pheasant hunt maybe the first week or two, and then they're done for the season, and really the best, you know, hunting is really right now, and they're grouped up now. They're starting to get concentrated in groups of six and eight and, you know, a little bit tougher to hunt, but they're in the, you know, super thick cover, heavy cattails, tamarack bogs, anything with super heavy cover, and it's really a good time. Not a lot of people doing it right now. But a lot of the public areas now are starting to get better. The birds are coming back, and uh, a lot of the corn, beans are down. So this is really a good time. December is an awesome time. And I'm also hearing a lot of really good reports on grouse up in northern Minnesota, which has really been stellar, and really from day one. So that's another option. And we still have the bow hunting season going on for another month. Muzzle loader season still going. So there's still things to do.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about the bow hunt. Maybe you don't want to, but <laughs> what, it, what it, no, I mean in a, in reality, what have you seen? What are your thoughts so far because we had what was generally a disappointing firearm season and the, the bow hunt's been challenged. We've we've talked about some of the reasons. Tough winters, uh, the wolf population way up north. There there's a lot of factors impacting the deer.
2: Yeah, you know, I just checked my logbook, Steve. I've been out 32 times bow hunting uh, since the season opened. I I was lucky to take an antlerless deer a couple days ago, and I think I'm pretty much done. I've worked really hard. Um, There's no doubt the deer population is down, and I'm up in northwestern Minnesota, which has great habitat, a lot of deer, a really good area, but I can tell they're really down. And this wolf thing is really gaining traction um, a lot of people up in northern Minnesota, the northern one third, are up in arms about this, and it's starting to hit the legislature. People are talking about it. Um, there's no doubt the wolf situation is affecting the deer uh, in northern one third of Minnesota, and that's a real problem. And now it's starting to really gain traction. So I'm happy to see that. Uh, but again, we've had two very tough winters back to back, which is you know part of the problem, but. We'll have to see how the DNR, you know, checks this out, maybe lower some of the antlerless tags, you know, change a few zones. I don't know. I, I'm, I hope they will, you know, look into that. But you talk to anybody in northern Minnesota, and it's wolves everywhere, tracks everywhere, and very few deer. So there's no doubt that the wolves are having an effect uh, in northern Minnesota. And I anticipate them you know migrating south and i'm starting to see wolves in my area which is relatively new and not surprised but you know they're going to have to be controlled in some way you know to get that deer population to come back
1: yeah re- reality is the population's going to need to be managed it's bounced back to the point where where it's causing an imbalance and and you, and you don't you don't need to be a specialist you don't need a fancy degree to understand that
2: Well, you know, it's the federal government that, you know, regulates, you know, the protected animals like that. So it's going to have to be a federal thing. And I'm not sure they know what's going on in the state of Minnesota. So, you know, we're just going to have to see. And there is one legislator in Minnesota that is pushing for this to be reviewed. I can't remember his name, but I was really happy to see that. So we're definitely getting publicity about it. People are talking about it. So, you know, we'll see if, uh, you know, action will be taken.
1: All right, Steve, always good to visit with you. Uh, Have a good week. Good luck out on the ice. We look forward to a report in one week.
2: Yeah, I should have some fishing action here this week, and we'll talk about it uh, next week.
1: All right, there he is, Steve Carney, stevecarneyoutdoors.com. Always good to visit with him. We've done it for years here on the weekends here on News Talk, 830-WCCO, Championship Saturday in big-time college football, the Big Ten title game coming up, Iowa and Michigan tonight. But uh, we had a Pac-12 title game last night. We'll have that a little bit later on in the hour. Talk a little college football. Uh, around the corner, college hockey. Jess Myers from the rink live. We'll get the very latest on the Golden for men and women. We'll do that in a moment here on News Talk. E3-0-WCCO. Timberwolves playing a matinee in Charlotte. They lead the Hornets 16-8. to No Anthony Edwards. In the game today, he got banged up at Target Center. Wild are idle. Uh, they're on a roll. John Hines comes in. Imagine that. Same players. Uh, players that look terrible for seven in a row. A seven-game winless streak costs Dean Evason's job. They bring in another guy from NHL uh, coaching central casting and John Hines. I mean, they, they just recycle the same guys. I mean, there's, you know, 32 jobs in the NHL, and there's probably about 36, 38 men that just kind of rotate through those jobs. And I'm not knocking John Hines. They've won two, and they get Chicago at home. But isn't it funny? A, A team that just looked lackadaisical, looked terrible in stretches to get Dean fired. They bring in another guy, and all of a sudden... Uh, the team has turned it around and won two in a row, and they get Chicago uh, tomorrow in a matinee. The Vikings are idle, so uh, the the Wild will jump into that void, and and fill that void on the local sports calendar. The Vikings in their their bye week after a dreadful performance by Josh Dobbs, and and you can't really put it on him, but. It, it was I, I think in Viking lore uh a brutal performance by any stretch of the imagination. And to speak about Dobbs it's exactly what I feared and I did talk about on these airwaves about Dobbs. When he able when he came in and was able to improvise and just kinda goeth feel, and it's like, on this plan I'm going to just take off and run. But once you settle into the offense and the game plan and the script that Kevin O'Connell and company, I mean, let's face it, there's 40 coaches that that come up with a game plan, and now all of a sudden you're trying to fit into what they want to do versus that Atlanta game where it was it was just survival mode. I'm coming in relief. I've been here a few days. I really don't know the people. I really don't know what's going on, and it's just react and play. And maybe that's an illustration of the faults of modern offenses in the NFL, that the head coaches, the coordinators, and the other position coaches are such control freaks that some of these players get completely locked up into scheme, game plan, Scripted plays, etc., and makes it impossible. And let's face it, if you're good enough to make an NFL roster at any position, you are a phenomenal athlete, a world class athlete. Now, now I know you're going to say, well, what about the punters and the kickers? Well, let's maybe move that into another equ- equation. But if you've made An NFL roster is a quarterback, you still are a supremely talented, gifted individual. Now, the difference between being Hall of Fame caliber or elite top ten and all the other guys, well, those are razor-thin margins. That's decision-making, split-second decision-making, under duress, et cetera, et cetera. But but I also think though, with with Dobbs, and maybe that's a knock on him, is that got a lot of talent, got a lot of physical ability, but once you get into the thick of the scheme and what you're trying to do. Now, in fairness, the the Minnesota Vikings for a good chunk of the season haven't had their most talented player in Justin Jefferson. It looks as though he'll return out of the bye week. And they will be in Las Vegas, a winnable game. But they had a winnable game against the Bears going into the bye. And terrible performance, 12-10. We have no idea will Dobbs start when they play in Vegas on Sunday, December 10th at three oh five. We We don't know. They'll continue in Cincinnati with the Bengals. And then on Christmas Eve, it'll be Detroit, a noon game. Christmas Eve, Sunday, December 24th at noon at U.S. Bank Stadium. Then they get Green Bay on New Year's Eve. That should be interesting. Can you imagine the drinking in advance of that New Year's Eve game between the Vikings and the Packers? Um, I'm going to stay as far away from downtown Minneapolis as I can that night. And then uh, at Detroit, uh, they, they haven't announced a start time. So um, the, the Vikings still have it in front of them but I don't think you can draw any conclusions now about this team considering where they were going into Denver. And now they got beat by Denver 21 to 20, Winnable game didn't get it done. And then Chicago Winnable game didn't get it done. Terrible performance by the quarterback. And and now they're they're back in that spot where really don't know what we're going to get from this team, and turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. You want to talk about the NFL and X's and O's and players and schemes and coaching? Turnovers are still incredibly important, particularly in the NFL. It, and and Josh, I don't know how you feel about it, but you know, early in the year. The season got off to a terrible start, for the most part, due to a, an excess of turnovers. And in that Bears game, I, it's just it was almost unwatchable. It, it it was yeah it was a as about a painful a loss as you are going to see in a primetime game Monday Night Football against a team if the Vikings are to be taken seriously, they should win.
3: Yeah, and that's kind of the key the key phrase there for it all is. Uh being taken seriously and if you yeah. play a game like that in primetime against a team that really oh. you should beat 9 times out of 10 in Chicago uh that was a bad performance. Uh, Lake and I were in studio watching that game on Monday night and it was about as unentertaining as it can be when it comes to a football game uh and just oh. there was no there was no juice, there was no like I guess Will to win, if you will, when it comes to that team because it just <laughs> there was nothing, nothing happening. They weren't really. They're were tossing the ball over the field. I, I, I think personally, Josh Dobbs will get the start on uh, in Vegas next weekend because I think they'll at least start him with JJ back in the lineup to see how those two can gel. And if they, it goes south pretty quick, they'll probably swap out to uh, Jaron Hall. But yeah, it, it was as bad of a football game as I've seen ever. And I've seen a lot of bad football being played, especially in prime time.
1: Yeah, just just dreadful. So they're in the bye week. They'll be at Las Vegas a week from Sunday. It'll be in the late television window, a 3.05 start our time. And I'd assume a lot of Viking fans are making that trip out to Sin City. One thing we know about pro sports in Vegas is that uh, visiting fans uh, fill the building. We, we do know that about SoFi and Inglewood home of the Rams and the Chargers, that that is also another destination where it's like, hey, let's get on a plane and go out there. Especially the Chargers, uh, I I would assume there are good seats available for every Chargers game. I I, I just don't know if anybody cares about the Chargers, uh, the second tenant in that building. Maybe more people care about the Rams, but I I think it is a wonderful opportunity to go on the road and uh, Las Vegas should be buzzing with purple a week from Sunday, and then at Cincinnati, uh, with, with that came another winnable one with, with Joe Burrow on the shelf, uh, Mark Key quarterback uh, knocked out, and then of course Detroit Green Bay at Detroit uh, to close it out, and the Lions on Thanksgiving. I still can't. They were, they were the Lions on Thanksgiving, and the, all the Lions fans I know, and I know some were so cocky going into that Thanksgiving day, and then they just laid an egg, a gigantic egg on Thanksgiving for the whole world to see. They looked terrible, particularly in the first half. Flat out embarrassing. So we'll we'll see. Um, The Lions are going to be the Lions. I I still think the, the Vikings... Still have a chance to get to the playoffs, and the Lions still have an outstanding chance to mess things up in what should have been their year. By the way, we weren't able to reach Jess Myers. a rare occurrence. By the way, Minnesota at Penn State, they got a 4-1 win on Friday night, and they're getting ready to drop the puck in uh, Hockey Valley at uh, 5 o'clock. And then uh, the Gophers continue a road trip. They'll be in Columbus against Ohio State next Friday and Saturday, and then they're into the break for final exams and the holiday, and then uh, Golden Gopher Hockey won't return until January. So just two series to go this weekend at Penn State and then uh, at Ohio State next weekend. Uh, Meanwhile, Golden Gopher Women's Hockey, uh, they continue to roll and continue to have a good season. This is a recording uh, Brant Frost has done a phenomenal job. And, of course, Ohio State may be the cream of the crop in women's hockey this year. And uh, right now the Golden Gophers uh, dominating Bemidji State. Uh, Friday night beat the Beavers 9-2, to and then today 9-1 the final at Ritter Arena. And then they get uh, St. Cloud State on the 5th, and then uh, they get the Badgers at Ritter Arena on the 8th and 9th, and then that's it until the new year uh, for Golden for Women's Hockey. So the first part of the year winding down rapidly over at the U. It is 429. Uh, You know what, Josh? Give us a quick update on your Huskies. You're a big St. Cloud State guy. Uh, What's going on with St. Cloud State?
3: Well, let me tell you, Steve, the women's hockey team upset number one Ohio State yesterday and uh, made quite the buzz around uh, the Oh, yeah, an X machine. Uh, They are they 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 pulled it off for a team that really kind of wasn't a whole lot of uh, anything last year. They've definitely turned it around and had a couple a couple feel good moments this season with their team and uh, St. Cloud State. The men's side are also doing a pretty fantastic job when it comes to their season so far. Uh, Definitely, even though they're atop the NCHC, I believe, still uh, they are still uh not really given their, I guess, proper due when it comes to going up against some of the Big Ten uh, teams in the in the Eastern uh, hockey teams as well. So uh, slowly making their way up the rankings, but also they're still kind of, they're still just barely cracking the top uh, top 20, but they are a very yeah. good team as well. Oh uh, yeah, but the big news yesterday, uh Cloud State women's team taking down number one Ohio State. Big, big, big win on a Friday night.
1: Yeah, that that is good stuff, and I'm glad you brought that up, Josh, and I, I... Saw you. Put that out on social media and we should make that a regular feature. A husky update on Saturday. Yeah, hey, I'm all for it. Courtesy of Josh Wheeler. I think that's good stuff. Four thirty one. And by the way, uh the radio play by play guy, Jim Erickson, great guy. Does state tournament. Uh did some couple of prep bowl games and of course does uh, the state boys hockey tournament on forty five. Jim's a great guy and uh does a, a phenomenal job and dare I say Probably you should have got the wild job when Bob Kurt stepped down, but he didn't. 431, we'll have the weather in a moment here on News Talk. E3O-WCCO. We are... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
4: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
0: Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Are heating up the hot stove. The winter meeting's coming up uh, very shortly. Uh, there's already been some moves. Two familiar names have moved on, Kenta Maeda and Sonny Gray. Uh, The Twins have made some announcements when it comes to the TV and radio booth. We'll get into all of that with Bobby Nightingale, who covers the Twins for the Star Tribune, and he joins on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. It's been a while, Bobby. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, here we go, uh, off-season moves being made, and the winter meetings coming up, and before you know it, uh, the Twins Winter Caravan will go out, we'll have Twins fast and then the countdown to pitchers and catchers. Man, you get to the holidays, and it really goes quick, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it feels long when the season ends, like, oh, it's a long way yeah. until spring training starts, and then... You see kind of those daily counters, and it's like, oh, you're already down to 75 days or 50 days, and then you realize it's, it's right
1: on top of you. Yeah. Now, when when do you typically book your uh, accommodations down in Fort Myers? I know you covered the Reds uh, for a long time. Is that something you do after the new year, get that lined up? Uh, usually
4: right before. So uh, oh, okay. I don't have my flight down there yet, but I, th- I think we have our, our Star Tribune house down there. So um, Oh, nice. Ha-
1: halfway there, well, Yeah. So, Star Tribune chef, etc., driver, uh, the whole bit. I, I'm <laughs> kidding. Wouldn't, exactly, Lavelle's nice? the driver. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Um, let, let's get into something uh, your colleague Lavelle Neil III did put out there, and uh, the story is available at stardtribune.com when it comes to the Twins. And that is the health of Byron Buxton, and this is something that Twins fans are painfully familiar with over the years that byron's just had a hard time with injuries but it sounds though in a story that he posted that that bucks fully recovered from surgery and wants to be in the center field in 24
4: yeah and i think that's what the twins are preparing for i think last year you know obviously they wanted to be a center fielder but i think they kind of leaned into the the crutch of okay we have dh open he can be our everyday dh um and then you know during the season you know maybe later in the summer We'll shift him into center field closer to the end of the season, playoffs, and I think that was kind of their hope going into the year. I mean, you traded for Michael A. Taylor in January, kind of for that reason. This year, I feel like they kind of they're shifted in terms of okay, he's got to play center field. Um, you know, he struggled. He struggled as a DH. You know, it's a tough role, um, but he, he didn't hit well enough to be a everyday DH guy, especially when they had you know like Edward Julian was fighting for at bats and Jorge Polanco was healthy and Royce Lewis was. Um, dealing with his hamstring you know it kind of you, you had guys you wanted to shuffle in the dh and you couldn't have him clog yeah. it up so um I, I think that's the difference this year is they they really do want him to play center field and if he can't play there every day you know at least a few times a week you've got to play center
1: yeah and when healthy we we said this over and over again when he's right you know byron buxton is a difference maker you know five to a player whatever you want to call it and And the Twins have to be hoping at at some point, you know, they're going to get one of these years. And he's got that long-term deal, you know, 120, 125 games out of Byron Buxton.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I, he, he, you can you see it behind the scenes. I mean, how hard he works to try to stay healthy. Sure. I mean, it's just one of those things where it just keeps popping up. Something, you know, it, it could be something little, you know, during the middle of the game his hamstring tightens up or, um, you know, knee problems flare up. I mean, but he's he's played through a lot. And, um, you know, maybe one one of these years it does turn around. and He plays 120 games. And um, if he's playing 120 games, I mean, it, his track record, I think, He's shown enough glimpses where, you know, if if he was healthy for a full season, that would be a huge thing for Twins. And I I think that's something, you know, that there's been a lot of talk about payroll going down. You know, if he has a semi-healthy year, if Carlos Correa is fully healthy, Planner Poseidus is behind him, if Royce Lewis plays a full season,
1: I mean, the offense um, should pick up in a major way. A year ago, the Twins went into the 23 season. With a lot of starting pitching depth, there, there's no question about it. It was really the talk of, of the off season a year ago. Is that hey, on paper they they've got a lot of potential starters, and it turned out to be really the strength of the ball club, particularly early in the year. It was lights out, but throughout the course of the year, led by Sonny Gray, he has moved on. Twins made a qualifying offer. He ends up signing with the Cardinals. Kentomayeta has moved on, signs with the Tigers. So right now on paper they don't have the pitching depth they had a year ago now chris paddock has added he did throw a little bit what was available to the twins at the end of the regular season i would assume bobby chris paddock figures huge in their plans next season
4: yeah and i think they're really optimistic i mean they they traded for him for a reason especially when he they you know he had tommy john surgery they knew that was a possibility when they traded for him um and, and they still made that deal based off the potential um, you know, and when they tried it for Pablo Lopez, I mean, he wasn't a sure yeah. thing either. Um, so I, I think they kind of view what they got in Pablo last year as kind of what they could get in Chris Paddock, um, this upcoming season in terms of, okay, he's throwing harder. Um, his off-speed pitches are a little bit better than they were. Um, he looked great out of the bullpen. So I, they're, they're really optimistic. Um, but the, like like you mentioned, I mean, the depth isn't – I felt like they had seven or eight starters they could go to last year, whereas right now they probably have five that they, I think they trust. Um, with Louis Varland and you know Bailey Ober Joe Ryan, uh, kind of rounding it out.
1: Yeah, and Bobby, do you think that's on the to-do list that they're going to probably try to add some pitching? You would think because the idea that you know you may go you know come north and start the season with five guys, the the idea that they're going to stay healthy for 162 is pretty far-fetched. That they're going to probably need to add a veteran somewhere. Yeah, and I think that
4: that's on their to-do list. I mean, I do think at a minimum, they'll add someone to at least compete with Louis Barland for that number five pitching spot. And um, you know, they had Bailey Ober and Louis start in starting AAA last year. So I think that's something they're, they're okay with if, if they have to start someone they think could pitch in the big league um, in St. Paul to start the year. Now, I, I hear like, you know, a lot of people want them to replace Sonny Gray one for one, a frontline starter. Um, you know, the, the issue there, one payroll and two, you know, almost every team in baseball wants to add a frontline starter. So, um, I think that's the more difficult part is trying to replace Sonny Gray, but um, also the depth. I, I think they, the depth is something that for sure is on their mind. I just don't know if they can make up Sonny Gray's production one for one.
1: Yeah, and elite starting pitching, the price of poker when available is very high. Gray, what, $25 million over three uh, down in, in St. Louis. Kent to Miami got a pretty nice deal. From a division rival, Detroit, and you get the sense at times in 23, the Tigers showed some things, and, and maybe Detroit is going to take another step forward in 24. Uh, not not that my is going to make you know a, a huge, huge difference, but it shows that the Tigers are serious about continuing to move up the ladder in the division anyway.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everyone's kind of looked at it as you know, Chicago, Cleveland, and Minnesota the last couple of years. Yep. Um, you know, Detroit finished second in the division last year, yep. or last season. So, I mean, I, th- I think they're trying to build on it. They have a lot of young starters, a lot of young position players, like Riley Green uh, look really good when he faced the Twins. And um, I-, I think the Tigers took the season series from the Twins. So, I mean, the Twins the Twins know their potential. Um, and I-, I think that's kind of when they signed a guy like Kent Tamaeta, a veteran, Um, they're kind of looking at it as, okay, 2024, I don't don't think they're putting all their chips in the middle. I don't think they're division favorites. Um, but I think they look at it as, okay, if a lot of things go right, um, we could, we could make the playoffs.
1: Uh, one of the things that, that stands out this off season is kind of the twins television situation. We know what's going to happen on the radio. The games are going to be here at 830 WCCO next season and 102.9, the Wolf, our sister station on the FM dial that's settled. Television-wise, not so much, and there there has been a change already. Uh, Dick Bramer uh, will step away from the television microphone. Corey Provis moving from radio to television, and Chris Atterbury into the main role. But but we still don't know, and there's a lot up in the air. And the Twins aren't the only club uh, that that's having difficulty with Valley Sports North, and and that will be sorted out this off season. We just don't know what it'll look like.
4: Yeah, and I think that's something probably later this month, I, w- I would guess, or at least early January at the latest, they'll have something finalized. Um, but MLB's been producing some teams, like last year, they did the Padres and the Diamondbacks. Yep. I, that's probably the, the leader in the clubhouse, I would think, is MLB would kind of take control of the broadcast. And Corey Probus mentioned it, I mean, he, when he, he took the became the lead broadcaster, got announced yesterday, um, he mentioned there'll be no blackouts. He was assured of that. Um, so, I mean, that's that, On the surface, I mean, that's probably the biggest win for Twins fans um, is that they won't be free. um, But whether you have cable, satellite, or just trying to find games online, there will be a way to access them. um, Where I know the biggest kind of complaint with Valley Sports was, you know, I have YouTube TV and there's no Valley Sports on there. um, So that won't be the case going forward. There will at least be an an option you know, wherever you live to, to be able to stream the games at least online
1: yeah and and i think anybody would be even comfortable with accessing it on a la- you know on a laptop via an app of some sort w- whatever it is I-, I just think you know when available uh pe- people people want to be able to watch the games and it was very difficult and i know a lot of clubs are frustrated by what what transpired with, with valley sports north and the availability of of this valuable program
4: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's one of those, it's kind of the cloud hanging over the whole sport because,
1: you know, all the Valley
4: sports say um, potentially next year will be their last year broadcasting games. Um, So that's a lot of teams that, you know, you had a 10-year TV contract and it might end next season. Um, So that kind of puts your future payroll in doubt a little bit. So um, it's something that affects everyone, but I I think for the Twins specifically, uh, it'll be more accessible no matter what route they choose. Um, I, th- I think the Padres when they did it through MLB last year it was $20 a month um, through MLB TV to get Padres games if you live in San Diego. So I'd imagine it's something similar like $20 a month if you live in uh, the Twin Cities to-, to stream the games on MLB TV.
1: Yeah, so, pardon the pun, stay tuned on all of that. We do know they will be available on the radio right here. So so that is signed, sealed, and delivered, starting with spring training. And, of course, we'll have plenty of off-season programming. Uh, we'll be at Twins Fest, uh, almost guaranteed. And then uh, other programming, hot stove show, et cetera. Uh, Bobby, one other thought, winter meetings start. You know, there, there's always some moves at the winter meetings, et cetera. Um, w- w- what, in your opinion, is the big topic going into the winter meetings this year? I think for baseball as a whole, it's Shohei Otani,
4: just kind of where he ends yeah, up. Just for sure. It's all been so quiet and, you know, best player in the league. And, um, you know, he, he rarely speaks to the media, so there's not much known about what, he, what he's been looking for, um, what teams he prefers. So I think as an industry, that's, that'll, that'll be the big focus over the next few days. For the Twins, um, it's going to be guys that are, I, I don't want to say on the trade block, but guys, that makes sense is trade candidates, you know, Jorge Polanco, Kyle Farmer, Max Kepler, Christian Vasquez, guys who are closer to free agency and also making around $10 million a year. Um, you know, the Twins have some depth in those spots. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded any of those four.
1: All right. Well, Bobby, always good to visit with you. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, there he is, Bobby Nightingale, covers the Twins for the Star Tribune, online at Star Tribune. Dot com. It is 11 minutes now in front of 5 o'clock. Quick break. We'll come back. College football scores. We'll dig into it. Uh, championships have been decided still to come, including the Big Ten Tilt, Iowa, and Michigan. Uh, we'll get into all of that momentarily here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. College football scores. Alabama leading Georgia 17-7 at... Uh, The SEC title game in Atlanta. They'd throw a wrench into things if it holds up. At the half, American Athletic Conference, SMU leading Tulane, 14-7 at the half. Tonight, Michigan-Iowa for all the marbles in the Big Ten. Uh, Tonight at 7, ACC title game, Louisville-Florida State. That's in Charlotte earlier. uh, Big 12 title game, Texas routes Oklahoma State 49-21. Friday night, washington uh, beats Oregon 34-31 uh, to win the final Pac-12 title and punch their ticket to the playoff. And we'll we'll do a deeper dive on some of those games a little bit later. Right now, college hockey, Jez Myers from the Rink Live, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Jez, always good to visit with you. How you been?
5: I've been good, Steve. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, good to talk to you. Uh, Gophers, a good win Friday at Penn State. And very shortly, they'll try for another. The, uh, it, it was a
5: night of milestones last night. Uh, I, I've got to say, number one, it was Bob Motzko's 200th game as the head coach of the Gophers. Uh, he gets a win in, in game number 200, which was good. Bryce Brzezinski gets his team-leading ninth goal of the season, and that's his 100th point as a Gopher. Another cool milestone. And my favorite one, one of those guys that's behind the scenes that you don't hear a lot about, cause he doesn't score goals or coach games or anything like that. But Jeff Winslow, who's been the team's trainer for more than a decade now, mm. last night was his 500th game as a head athletic trainer. Now, Bob Motzko joked that they didn't have to pay him at all last year. There were no injuries on the team to, to speak of, <laughs> you know, guys missed a couple games here and there, but they were almost fully healthy. In fact, I joked with Jeff Winslow, the most serious injury he diagnosed last year was a sports writer who had a torn bicep. That was me. Uh, this year, Ouch. Jeff Wendell has earned his money because the Gophers have been a mess of injuries. You know, they lost Mike Kester for more than a month. He's their captain. Now they're finally getting healthy again, and you're seeing the results. This is the Gopher team that only lost one game in the month of November, and they start December with a big win.
1: Yeah, at, at Penn State. And real quick, and, and we're a little tight on time up against the news at 5, but um, Penn State, This is still quite a story. I know there was a lot of money. They got a building built, and uh, the Pagula family, I I think they own the Bills and the Sabres, put a lot of money to get this thing going. But, you know, they've done a great job. They get fan support there.
5: They do. Uh, You know, they built a a perfect building for college hockey. They designed it so the fans at one end, the student section, is like right on top of the goalie uh, for the opposing team. I've been in there for a couple games where Bob Motzko's team got absolutely run out of the building. And last night looked like one of those games. The shots were 13-3 in the first period, and the Gophers somehow emerged up 2-1, and they wind up winning that game. But talking about Penn State, kind of the bigger picture, you know, there were people who said, you can't start a program from scratch like this. They're, they're never going to be competitive. They're going to get run out of the Big Ten, all of that. And they have been a competitive program not only from day one, They've been to the NCAA tournament. They won a Big Ten title
1: in 2020.
5: It's really remarkable um, with the right resources at the right school how quickly you can put things together in a program like
1: that. Well, it is a great campus. I've been to Penn State a couple of times when I was covering Golden for hoops way back in the day. Well, and
5: for the people who criticize Big Ten hockey, saying you know it's never going to be like the old WCHA or anything like that, You talk to the coaches at places like Penn State and at Notre Dame and at Ohio State, and they say, we can go into any living room in North America, and they've seen the Ohio State Buckeyes on TV. They've seen the Penn State Nittany Lions on TV. They've seen the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. We don't have to explain who we are, what we're about, or anything like that. So there is a huge built-in advantage, even for those hockey programs when those coaches are recruiting.
1: Yeah, no no doubt. They'll, they'll get started here very shortly. And then they close out what what is considered the first half of the year. Then it's final exams and a break until the new year. They'll be in Columbus next week.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And you could see, you know, Bob Moscow, uh, the first half of the season has been challenging. Like I said, just because of all those injuries. When we talked to him this past week, he said, first thing he said was four games till the break. You know, he's counting yeah. it off on his calendar. Not that he's not having fun with this team, but this is a team that could use some time off. Could use uh, a little more time to get more healthy and and put some things in the past. That, and again, they're really playing some good hockey right now.
1: Yeah. So uh, Minnesota at Penn State coming up here very shortly. Jess, it's always good to visit with you. We'll do it again.
5: Have a great weekend, Steve.
1: Yeah, you as well, Jess Myers from the Rink Live. Joining us here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. More college football chatter coming up with all these championships in play. We'll get into the potential over-under of the Michigan-Iowa game tonight. I think it's going to be a Michigan blowout, but we'll, we'll get into that in in more detail. Who knows, that Iowa defense, maybe they'll step up big uh, tonight. Tonight. And then uh, we'll talk a little of hockey. John Shipley from the Pioneer Press, uh, the Wild Change coaches, and now we're on a roll all of a sudden. So that is on the way. We'll start with CBS, then our newsroom, and then more on a Sports Saturday here at CECO.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one,